Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Astrology Now podcast. My name is Christine Rodriguez, and in this segment, we are going to discuss the chakras and how they are associated to the signs and planets in Vedic astrology. We are going to discuss maybe how to find out what's in balance in our chart, what is out of balance in our chart, if one of our chakras may be weaker or stronger, underactive, overactive, and how we can gain insight to this by utilizing Vedic astrology. And I'm planning to do yoga in Vedic astrology, mudras, which are, um, it's essentially a yoga posture with our hand. It's holding our hand to create a specific energetic channel. I'm going to do a segment on mudras and Vedic astrology, food and Vedic astrology, herbs and Vedic astrology, and how you can spot or how you can utilize rather Vedic astrology throughout your week using colors, days of the week, hours, things like that. So I have a few new ideas for various segments that I think are going to be a lot of fun. And many of you know I've been teaching yoga since 2014, 2013 or 2014. Um, I am certified to teach yoga. I'm certified to teach kundalini yoga. So I've taught yoga and meditation for many years and I did take a training with Anadata Judith in regards to chakras and these different energetic wheels throughout our body. So I have quite the background in energetics and again yoga meditation and I don't bring a whole lot of it onto this podcast and I'm not super sure why because (laughs) yoga and Vedic astrology go hand in hand. Vedic astrology is a sister science to yoga and the more that you study spirituality and meditation and these more subtle energetic layers, we come to understand that all of it is interconnected. And so we are going to be discussing how to make these connections between the planets and the signs, these ethereal energetic bodies with our physical energetic body and understanding that it's all connected and you may have heard that we are made of stardust and this is quite literally you know finding where these planetary energies are operating within our physical body we have a little solar system operating inside of us and by doing different meditations and yoga practices by breathing a certain way by holding a certain mudra we can activate certain planetary energies or deactivate if we have an excess of a planetary energy we can help smooth it out and reduce it so i am going to be posting more podcast in regards to these things it's so incredibly important and part of my practice and so i want to be sharing with you all what i know and what i i can really attest to so i hope that this topic is interesting for you all and that you find it helpful So before I jump in and start talking about the chakras, I do want to remind you all that I have a Patreon account and I've been doing many renovations and adding many things to this Patreon account. I'm really excited about it. And if you are interested in having more Astrology Now content in your week, I offer Monday horoscope. So every Monday I release a horoscope for each of the 12 zodiac signs to help you prepare for your week. And on Thursday, 
I offer a different educational session. We were doing the first house ruler through the signs, or excuse me, first house ruler through the houses, and now we're doing Saturn through the houses. So if you're interested in learning any of that, signing up for Patreon may be a fun place for you. We're also doing things like patron socials where we get together just to hang out. There are different classes available, tarot readings, lots of fun stuff going on. I encourage you to check it out if you're interested. So let's go ahead and jump in to the chakras and talking about the chakras. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to introduce each of the seven chakras. Then we're going to discuss the signs and planets associated to the chakras. We're going to discuss how to see in a Vedic birth chart, judging on the quality of the planets and the dignity of the planets which chakras may be more or less vulnerable, more or less in balance, excessive or deficient. And then we are going to discuss what we can do about it. And as I was mentioning, there's so many different things you can do between mudras, mantras, yoga postures, exercises. The list goes on in terms of what we can do to support a chakra. And I'm going to offer yoga practices today and we can continue our conversation throughout the series (laughs) that I have planned. So I'll be sure to integrate some of this chakra work into my other segments in case you guys are interested. So for those of you who aren't familiar with chakras, it's said that we have seven energetic wheels in our physical body and they start at the base of our spine and go up through the crown of our head. And Chakra literally translates into wheel. And so that's what I'm saying is we have seven wheels turning in our body, energetic wheels. And these chakras or energetic wheels are going to govern how we interact in different areas of our life. And so the first chakra is our root chakra or muladhara chakra. And This is located at the very base of our spine. Um, I should mention if you've heard of kundalini energy or trying to lift energy from the base of your spine, you're trying to run kundalini energy through the seven chakras. And it all starts here at the base of your spine at the root chakra. And this chakra is associated to foundation, to feeling safe, to feeling secure. And the natural planet associated to the first chakra is going to be Saturn, of course, because Saturn is structure, consistency, reliability. If you've ever worked with children or if you have children, you know that children thrive off of having rules and regulations. It helps them feel safe. They may not act like they like the rules, but it does help a child thrive if they have some rules to follow. And this is that Saturn energy. It provides us with limits and it provides us with a feeling of security, of reliability. So Saturn is associated to the first chakra, root chakra, which governs our feelings of safety, feelings of security, our really firm basis in reality, okay? The second chakra is going to be the sacral chakra, and this is our swadhisthana chakra. And this chakra is associated to our sexuality, 
our creativity, and a lot to do with our expression. And so the second chakra has to do with, first of all, how easy it is for us to be intimate with others in a sexual way, how we feel about our sexuality, but then also how we are expressing ourselves creatively and how secure we feel with our creativity, how easily the creativity is flowing. And the second chakra is going to be associated to Jupiter. Jupiter governs children and children are said to be the highest manifestation of creativity in Vedic astrology. So of course Jupiter is going to be associated to the sacral chakra which is associated to procreation because people generally have to be intimate in order to procreate. And I also want to say that the sacral chakra it's located just above the root chakra. And so they're very close. It's kind of like beneath the belly button in the pelvis is where the sacral chakra is. The third chakra is going to be the Manipura chakra or our solar plexus. And this chakra resides in the belly. This chakra has to do with our willpower, our courage, our strength to move forward, how we want to get things done, our ambition, our fire. And Some of you may be listening to this and you're like, yes, I associate with this. I have so much ambition. I have so much willpower. You probably have a really powerful solar plexus. If you're listening to this and it's like, oh my God, it's so hard to get things done. I hate planning. I hate having objectives. I, it takes a lot for me to do anything. You may have a weaker solar plexus. So it's something that you may want to consider strengthening. And so the solar plexus, again, has to do with our confidence and our self-esteem. And of course, this chakra is associated to Mars, the warrior, the planet that likes to move forward. It has passion, it has fire, it likes to get things done. The fourth chakra is our heart chakra or our Anahata chakra. And this chakra is, of course, associated to love and compassion. I was mentioning the second chakra has to do with intimacy, and it has to do with connection in an intimate way. The fourth chakra has to do with intimacy and connection, of course, from the heart center, how vulnerable we feel to open our heart, how open we are naturally, how easy it is for let, to let people into our lives to give love and to receive love. And if that feels natural for us. So of course, the fourth chakra is associated to Venus because Venus is that planet. It's the planet that allows us to give and receive love. It's our diplomacy. It's how open we feel to other people. The next chakra is going to be the throat chakra. And so this is our ability to express ideas to speak our truth, to say what we want to say. And I'm sure that some of you are listening and you're like, oh my gosh, like I've always struggled with saying what I want to say. Maybe you have memories of being in high school and you're sitting there and there's something that you want to say and you don't say it. And this could be a combination, right, of the third chakra and the throat chakra because there's kind of a lack of self-confidence, but then also this inability to speak your mind. And so the throat chakra is that ability to speak, ability to express your ideas and express yourself verbally. The throat chakra's 
Sanskrit is going to be Vishuddha. And of course, it's going to be located in the throat. And it is associated to the planet Mercury, the planet that is responsible for our communication, for our expression of ideas, and mass media, how comfortable we feel sharing messages on a larger scale. The sixth chakra is going to be the third eye chakra, and this is Agnya. And the third eye chakra is associated to our intuition and our perception. So when we have that gut feeling and we just know something and we have no material evidence to base it off of, but we just know, that's that power of the third eye center. And I do want to say that the way that I was taught by my teacher, Matab, who is a yoga teacher, kundalini teacher, Vedic astrologer. I've been lucky enough to have him on before. The way that I was taught is that the sixth chakra or this third eye chakra, because it has to do with our intuition and our perception, it's associated to the luminaries of the sun and the moon. And the author, Yogananda, who wrote Autobiography of a Yogi, he also suggests that at our third eye center, there are two petals. And one petal is associated to the sun or our right eye, and one petal is associated to the left eye or the moon. And by these two luminaries coming together, it gives us the opportunity to balance the polarities in our body. And it's also acting as a way to strengthen our intuition and our perception. So both of the luminaries are assisting us in this way. I also think that it gives a lot of light to different breath practices, such as Nadi Shodhana, or alternate nostril breathing, where we are balancing the polarity in our body, the lunar energy and solar energy. We close our eyes, we fix our gaze at our third eye center, and we breathe, and that's said to help balance these energies. So for me, this is what makes sense. And what that would mean is that the crown chakra, or the sahasrara, is not connected to any planets. It's said that this chakra, our crown chakra, goes beyond this human experience, beyond this material plane. And therefore, this crown chakra is not associated to any of the planets. And you will hear astrologers who say that the moon governs the sixth, while the sun governs the seventh, the crown chakra. But I'm much more in alignment, as I mentioned, with the sun and the moon governing the sixth, where the sun, the seventh is independent. Okay, and so the seventh chakra, and the crown chakra, this is going to govern our connection to spirit, and our connection to the world beyond. This chakra is also going to be associated to our wisdom, our awareness, our intelligence, our ability to connect and understand outside of ourselves and our experience. But I do want to say it's possible to have a seventh chakra that is out of balance and that could look kind of obsessive or someone who's kind of stuck in the ethereal world. And I'm sure that we kind of 
all know people <laughs> like that. Bless their hearts. I love you all. There can be people who are vata deranged, if you're familiar with that term. Vata is a dosha in Ayurveda. It's the wind dosha. It creates a lot of movement. It kind of scatters things. When we're vata deranged, we're just kind of like in the ethers. We're never really grounded. We're kind of changing everything day to day. This is when we need to balance the lower chakras, bring some root chakra energy, maybe some sacral and solar plexus. Um, and then there are people who are the total opposite and they don't spend a lot of time in their, in their upper chakras, in their seventh chakra or sixth chakra. They never think about the spiritual world. They're more stuck in this need for security, need for gain in the material world, never thinking about spirituality or their connection to the forces beyond. And so this is when we would want to balance the upper chakras and introduce the connection to those upper chakras. So this is how they work. And again, first chakra or our root chakra is associated to Saturn. Second chakra or our sacral chakra is going to be associated Jupiter. Third chakra or our solar plexus is associated to Mars. Fourth chakra or our heart chakra is Venus. Fifth chakra or throat chakra is going to be Mercury. Sixth chakra or third eye center is going to be the sun and the moon. Seventh chakra is beyond. And again, I want to give you the heads up. If you Google this, astrologers disagree. There are going to be astrologers connecting the planets with different chakras. And so again, this is the way that I study and this is the way that I teach. So I hope you find it helpful. I hope that it resonates. And so the seven chakras are associated to the planets as we covered, but they're also associated to different signs. And so the first, and this is really important to keep in mind because it's going to be helpful when you're evaluating a birth chart and finding and gaining insight into which chakras may be more or less in balance. So the root chakra is associated to Capricorn and Aquarius. The second chakra or the sacral chakra is associated to Sagittarius and Pisces. The solar plexus or third chakra is associated to Aries and Scorpio. The fourth chakra or the heart chakra is associated to Taurus and Libra. The fifth chakra or the throat chakra is of course associated to Virgo and Gemini. The sixth chakra or the crown chakra is associated to Leo and Cancer. And then the seventh chakra is not associated to a sign. And so first of all, when you are looking at a birth chart, if these planets are afflicted, this is going to give you insight into which chakras may be more or less in balance. So for example, if Saturn is debilitated, it's possible that this person did not feel a lot of safety growing up. They may have never felt secure. They may not have had any rules, may have felt unsafe. It's also possible that it's the opposite. Maybe they felt smothered. Maybe it was way too restrictive. Okay, so that is how an afflicted Saturn may contribute to a vulnerable first chakra. If you have trouble, as I mentioned earlier, feeling ambitious, if you have trouble getting up, you have trouble completing your objectives, this may be a vulnerable third chakra. And so you want to see the condition of Mars. If you have a debilitated Mercury, it may be that your fifth chakra is out of balance, out of whack. It could have been that growing up, you were ignored. You used your voice and nobody heard you. So into your adulthood, you 
aren't as communicative, you aren't as expressive verbally, or you're insecure about how you vocalize your ideas. And it doesn't mean you're doomed. It's just something that you know that needs to be brought back into balance. And there are so many practices that you can do for this, okay? So that is how to assess just the ruling planet and checking in. Because just because somebody has an afflicted Venus, it doesn't mean that their fourth chakra is going to be out of balance and they're not going to know how to love someone or let love in. That's not the way that it works. This is going to give us a clue. And then we combined all of our information together. So we always want to take everything into account. So knowing which planets are associated to the chakras and just checking them out and seeing the condition that they're in. As we just discussed, the chakras are also associated to different signs. And so if those signs are getting activated by certain planets, this can produce more or less balance within a chakra. So for example, if someone's Mars is in the sign of Capricorn, Capricorn is associated to the first chakra. So an exalted Mars could bring a powerful first chakra, someone who feels super safe, super confident in who they are, super secure. If Venus moves into the sign of Pisces, because Pisces is associated to the sacral chakra and the second chakra, it could mean that this person is sexually expressive, they're comfortable in their sexuality, they feel good with creativity and how they express themselves to the world. This second chakra energy is going to come very naturally to them. When the sun moves into the sign of Aries, because Aries is associated to the third chakra, Sun and Aries is exalted. This could mean that this person has so much willpower. They do not suffer from lack of will. They want to get things done. They're ambitious. They want to move forward. They're constantly pioneering. If the moon is in the sign of Taurus, Taurus is associated to the fourth chakra or the heart chakra. This could mean that someone is naturally giving, naturally nurturing, empathetic. They're exuding the fourth chakra energy of compassion, of connection, okay? If Saturn moves into the sign of Libra, because again, Libra is associated to the fourth, this could also make someone who is service-oriented, wanting to connect, wanting to help others, having an open heart. And I've seen this a few times. We can have exalted Saturns that go the other way. Um, but, you know, you want to see everything because you could have an exalted Venus, but then it's with Mars, it's receiving a K2 aspect, maybe a Saturn aspect. You want to see all of the conditions of the planet, not just one of these things, okay? This is very basic. This is like our first clue and insight. So having that exalted Saturn could show a healthy, balanced fourth chakra. If Mercury moves into the sign of Virgo, Mercury and Virgo are both associated to the fifth chakra. So someone's going to communicate their ideas. They're going to love to talk. They're going to love to express themselves. It's possible that there's an excess. So this person never knows when to be quiet. They're constantly voicing their opinion. They're talking over people. You know, it's possible to have an excess of a chakra as well. If Jupiter comes into the sign of Cancer, Cancer is associated to the sixth chakra, right? 
So because cancer is getting activated, this is going to strengthen the sixth. It may make someone more intuitive, more perceptive, feeling into other people, kind of understanding the energy of the space. So these are also things we want to consider when we are assessing a birth chart. So we look at the planetary connection, which planet is associated to the chakra. Now we're looking at the signs associated to the chakras and how they're getting activated in the birth chart. But please keep in mind, you want to see the aspects and dignity of the planet outside of this because a planet can be exalted and still have negative influence. A planet can be debilitated and still have positive influence. So just keep that in mind. I don't want you to look at someone's birth chart and see they have, you know, Venus and Pisces and you think that their sacral their sacral chakra is going to be totally perfect. That's just not the way that it works. This is one little tidbit of information. So we looked at the exalted planets. What about the debilitated planets? So if the planet Jupiter comes into Capricorn, Capricorn is associated to the first chakra. So if Jupiter is debilitated, this could have created a challenging childhood, um, maybe feelings of, of not being safe, of not being seen, of not being secure. If Mercury comes into the sign of Pisces, because Pisces is associated to the sacral chakra or the second chakra, when Mercury activates that sign, it's possible that we may feel stifled creatively. We may feel stagnant creatively. It's hard for us to create. I've seen much less of this. Um, what I've seen much more of is when Mercury is debilitated, people have throat chakra stuff. Um, but this is a possibility. If the moon moves into Scorpio, Scorpio is associated to the third chakra. So if the moon is debilitated, this could have an influence on the solar plexus, on our ambition, on our will. People may feel a lack of will, a lack of drive, a lack of ambition. If Saturn is in Aries, Aries is associated to the third chakra. When Saturn is debilitated, again, someone may feel that lack of willpower and lack of motivation. Um, but I've seen plenty of Saturn in Aries with tons of motivation. Same with Moon and Scorpio. So again, just look at the aspects, look at the planetary ruler as well. If the sun comes into the sign of Libra, because Libra is associated to the fourth chakra or our heart chakra, it's possible that this person may have to learn to be more vulnerable as time goes on, has to learn to open their heart more, to be more open to connection. If Venus comes into the sign of Virgo, because Virgo is associated to the fifth chakra or our throat chakra, when Venus comes into Virgo, it's possible that this person has a hard time voicing their opinion, speaking up, using their words, or being authentic with how they're communicating. Because the sign of Cancer is associated to the sixth chakra or the third eye center, if Mars comes into Cancer and activates it, it's possible that this person is going to struggle with their intuition, struggle with their perception, and having that balance between the polarities in the body. And something else to keep in mind is that if many planets are placed in a sign that's associated with the chakra, so for example, cancer, if we have many planets in the sign of cancer, it may make working with the third eye center energy 
easier and more appealing to us. If we have many planets in the sign of Capricorn, because Capricorn is associated to the first chakra, to that stability, working with the root chakra energy may come more naturally to us because we're naturally wanting that security that Capricorn is going to want of us. Similarly, Cancer is known as one of the spiritual signs. It's a water sign. If you have a lot of planets in Cancer, you're going to be leaning towards that third eye center energy. If you have many planets in the sign of Libra, you may be really drawn to the heart chakra meditations or the heart chakra mudras and opening the heart center. It may be something that you're drawn to. And so depending on these signs and noticing how many planets are in these signs, we can also understand if it's going to be more or less appealing for someone to work with that energy, with that chakra, how strongly associated they're going to naturally feel. And I'm sure you guys know what I'm talking about. There are going to be people who are naturally drawn to the heart chakra. There are going to be people who are obsessed with the crown chakra people who are obsessed with the solar plexus, right? They have like 40 planets in Aries. So looking at how many planets are in the signs, which signs associated to the chakra, it's going to give you some insight. The other thing that I want to say is that looking at the planets associated to the chakras, which sign they move into is going to give us insight. So for example, If Mercury, which is associated to the fifth chakra, moves into the sign of Capricorn, which is associated to the first chakra, it could be that someone loves to use their voice in a way that provides security to others. They're wanting to provide security with their voice. Similarly, if Venus is in Capricorn, because Venus is associated to the heart chakra, it moves into the sign that is associated to the root chakra, it could mean that someone expresses their love with security and they want to provide financial security or material security to somebody because that's how they feel they can express their love. Another way to think about this is looking at the qualities of the planet and what they naturally represent. So we know that Saturn is restriction and it makes things smaller. So If Saturn is in the, let's say, if Saturn is in Gemini, because Gemini is associated to the throat chakra, this chakra may need to work on expanding and opening up. If Saturn is in Taurus, the heart chakra may need to work on expanding and opening up. Even if Saturn is in Libra and it's exalted, and we could have a pretty well-rounded heart chakra, it's also possible that part of our karma in this life is to open up the heart in a, in a more, in a less practical way, perhaps, in a, in a less restrictive way, in a, in a less safe way. Saturn may always want us to stay safe in our heart chakra endeavors, okay? In another way, we want to look at the planet Jupiter, and Jupiter is expansive. It grows. So if Jupiter is in the sign of Aries, we may have a very expansive third chakra. It may be very easy for us to work into the solar plexus willpower energy. So these are all some things to consider when looking at the chakras. And now we can talk about what to do to bring them more into balance. 
And so as I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, there are many things that we can do to work with the energy of our chakras. And this could be meditation, mantra, mudra, yoga practices. And today I am going to be talking mostly about yoga postures because I feel like they're going to be the most familiar, the most accessible, and what I can most easily explain through a podcast. But I do plan on doing some videos for planetary meditations and yoga practices. So be watching out for that. But for the root chakra, if you are wanting to work with this energy and feel more grounded and secure and steadfast, what the root chakra is associated with. There are postures like the warrior postures where you're grounding firmly with your feet, you're connecting to the earth. It could be as simple as mountain pose, standing at the top of your mat, grounding through your feet. Samastit Tahi is also a name for this posture. My personal favorite is going to be tree pose because it brings the body into balance. It helps strengthen balance, which is one of the first things that we start to lose as we get older. So it helps us to keep that flexed and it helps us root into the earth and feel that connection and feel that stability. It kind of forces us to connect. So tree pose is a great option for the root chakra. If you are wanting to balance the sacral chakra, or the second chakra, you know, it could go two ways. It could be that your sacral chakra is way overactive. You've got super open hips. And, you know, it may not be this way. It's possible to have open hips and not have an overactive sacral chakra. Um, But I've seen this a lot. And so if if you're the type whose hips are just super open, maybe doing something to strengthen the hips, kind of rein them in a little bit. And so... This could be putting a block between the thighs and doing utkatasana or chair pose, squeezing the block. This is going to strengthen the inner seams of the legs, the glutes, just the hip region. So doing things to strengthen the glutes and the hips and to open this area. If you're feeling super restricted whenever you do anything with a hip opener, I've seen so many times, sometime I should just tell a story about things I've experienced in yoga practice because it's so powerful. Uh, People coming in to hip openers and just crying and having these massive emotional releases. There's a reason for that. This isn't like a spontaneous fabricated thing. Energy gets locked in our hips. We store tons of stress in our hips. And so this could bring an imbalance to the sacral chakra and so when people start moving this energy and churning this energy they can have massive emotional releases from things that happened forever ago that impacted this region so doing things like lizard pose or pigeon pose baddha that's cobbler's pose doing things to help gently open the hips could be healthy for the sacral chakra for the solar plexus to bring energy into our solar plexus, things like navasana or boat pose, anything that's activating the core of your body because the solar plexus is connected to the belly towards that center of the body. So doing things like plank, activating with crunches, it could even be inversions that require you to keep your core tight and strong. So doing things to strengthen the core of your body is going to help generate energy in the solar plexus. And some of you are probably yeah, 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 I love that. You probably don't need that. You probably have enough solar plexus energy. But for those of you who are like, Oh, my God, I really don't want to that sounds horrible, maybe trying a little bit of it. If you're trying to open the heart chakra, 
This is, of course, the upper thoracic spine right between our shoulders. So doing back bending, and it could be as simple as bringing the palms to touch, reaching the arms above your head, and gently leaning backwards, just opening the front of your body gently. If you're wanting that to be more intense, you could bend the elbows. So that's kind of like prayer hands behind your head at the base of your neck, or the base of your skull, I should say. And gently leaning back over time is going to help open and expand the front of the chest. If you need something more, ustrasana, camel pose, that's a great one for opening the heart center. So anything that helps open the upper thoracic spine and the space of your heart, it's anahata chakra. And there's a posture called anahatasana, where you're kind of melting your heart into the earth. So anything like that to help open the front of your chest. If you're working with your throat chakra or your fifth chakra, some of these postures may be less accessible. So I'm going to offer a breathing practice as well that I totally love. So yoga practices for the throat may be something like fish pose, where you're leaning back, stretching the front of your throat. It could be something like halasana or plow pose, where you're uh, putting your legs over your head and you're really activating that throat chakra. But again, if you have a neck injury or a back injury, this isn't accessible. So I would recommend something like ujjayi breathing. And ujjayi literally means victorious breath. And it's kind of like you're fogging up a mirror. It's that same type of breath but your lips are sealed. And so it's like, and so excuse me for just breathing into the microphone, but this practice really activates the fifth chakra and the communication. I could sit for five minutes just ujjayi breathing. I absolutely love it. I highly recommend it. So good to stimulate the energy of that chakra. If you're wanting to work with the third eye center, with the sixth chakra, forward folds is a great way to balance the polarity between our brow, between our third eye center. So folding forward over the leg seated, folding forward standing up is said to help balance that energy. For the crown chakra, it could be shavasana. And Shavasana is the final posture. It's called corpse pose. And one of my favorite teachers said that we learn how to breathe in yoga so that we can prepare for our final breath, so that we can know how to die well and really transition into our next life with grace, right? And so because the seventh chakra is associated to this realm beyond the material world, of course, it's associated with corpse pose, which would be the final pose, our death posture, our connection into the next life, into the spirit realm. So Shavasana, sitting silently in meditation, is going to connect us to the seventh chakra and strengthen that energy. So I hope this podcast was helpful. I hope that you feel like you learned something new about the chakras and its association to Vedic astrology. And in case you are taking notes and you want to just quickly jot these down, the first chakra is associated to Capricorn, Aquarius, and Saturn. Second chakra is Sagittarius, Pisces, and Jupiter. Third chakra is Aries, Scorpio, the planet Mars. Fourth chakra is Taurus, Libra, the planet Venus. Fifth chakra is Virgo, Gemini 
Gemini, the planet Mercury. Sixth chakra is Leo, Cancer, the luminaries, sun and moon. The seventh chakra goes beyond this human experience. And so looking for planets in those signs is going to give insight to the corresponding chakra, seeing the condition of the planet is going to give us information about the corresponding chakra. So again, I hope this was helpful. I hope that you learned something about chakras and how it corresponds to Vedic astrology. If you would like to schedule a reading with me, you can email me at astrologynowpodcast at gmail.com. You can schedule yourself at innerknowing.yoga. Please follow me on Instagram, astrologynow underscore podcast, and I will talk to you all very soon. Again, my name is Christine Rodriguez. This is Astrology Now. Thank you so much. Thank you.